Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. I am so grateful that you're listening to the broadcast today. This is actually part two of a message we started yesterday, and I've entitled the message, Six Opportunities That We Have When We Go Through Times of Persecution. Six opportunities, right? And so many times we look at persecution as something that is bad, but it can turn into something good. God has a way of doing that, right? He can take the ashes of disaster and he can turn them into the seeds of success. I love the book of 1 Peter. If you're ever going through a hard time and you're wondering what book of the Bible should I look at, look at 1 Peter. Let me give you a summary of what happens in regards to this matter of persecution, right? Uh, we could look at 1 Peter chapter 5 as giving us a summary of the whole book of 1 Peter. And uh, let me quickly give you that summary of what is taking place and how Peter instructs us on this matter of suffering. So first of all, Peter reminds us as we look at the whole book, 1 Peter chapter 4, he reminds us that we should not be surprised. Okay, when suffering comes, don't let it uh, surprise you. He says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. And he says, don't think it's something strange that's happening to you, but rejoice in as much as you are participants in the suffering of Christ. And he reminds us that we should be overjoyed with his glory. In other words, the pressure is put upon us. Expect it. Don't be surprised. And as it's put upon us, the joy of the Lord just oozes out of us. He says, uh, verse number 14, if you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you're blessed for the spirit and the glory of God rest upon you. So Peter reminds us that when it comes our way, suffering comes our way, don't be surprised. Uh, number two, don't be disconnected. Don't separate yourself from people when you're going through our time. Sometimes people come to me and, and it breaks my heart when they do this. They say, they come, well, pastor, uh, I'm not going to be coming to church for a while because, uh, man, I'm just really going through a hard time and and uh, I'm just, I just, I'm going to take a break and I'm going to kind of isolate myself from people for a while. And to me, that's the worst thing that you can do. Uh, when we go through times of pressure, times of suffering, that's where we need the body of Christ more than ever. You know, the psalmist knew this. Then Psalm 32 says, let all the faithful pray for you while you may be found. Sure, the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs. And David cried out to the Lord and says, Listen, when the pressure's on me, I want all the faithful to rise up to pray for me. I don't want to be absent. I want to be connected. So Peter gets real specific, right? Peter talks about the fact that we need to encourage one another during these times of suffering. So when suffering comes, don't be surprised. When suffering comes, don't be disconnected. And then when suffering comes, don't be unprepared. Be ready for it. First Peter 3, the whole chapter deals with this preparation as you go through times of suffering. And, and let me just read for you verses 13 to 17. Peter says, Who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. And then verse 15, this is where the preparation comes, right? But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason of the hope that lies within you. Now, we usually quote verse number 15, and we separate it from verses 13 and 14. But it's meant to be together. When you're going through times of pressure, 
Don't fear threats. Don't become uh, overwhelmed with that. Be ready to give an answer. So in other words, be prepared for suffering. Be prepared to use it as an opportunity to share with others the hope that you have. That is found in Christ. So we've learned so far that Peter, as he goes through this book, is reminding us not to be surprised when suffering comes, not to be disconnected from other believers when it comes, not to be unprepared when it comes, be ready to give an answer of that of the hope that lies within you. And then number four, don't be weak. Don't be weak. That's found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. And I love this passage, and, and, and we're very familiar with this passage, right? This is talking about the armor of God, but Peter says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And he says, put on the armor of God, the full armor of God, so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. And then he reminds us what this battle is all about. He says, this struggle that we're having, it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against other people, but it's against rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and having done everything to stand. So here are the challenges. Be ready for this battle. Put on that armor of God. Do everything you are to stand your ground so that you won't cave in when the pressure comes. There's one other thing that Peter covers, and he reminds us that when we go through times of suffering, we don't need to be afraid. You know, the psalmist wrote about the Lord being my light and my salvation. And I love how it's put together in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me. Even then, I will be confident. Oh, don't you love that? I don't have to be afraid when trouble comes my way. I can be confident because my Lord is my light and my salvation. So Peter reminds us, 1 Peter 4.19, that when we suffer according to God's will, we should commit ourselves to the faithful creator and continue to do good. Well, I'm so excited about the message today, and I hope that these six opportunities will be seized upon by you as you go through difficult times. Opportunity number one, when we are having suffering coming our way, we have this opportunity to experience God's presence. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about when you're insulted because of the name of Christ, that you're actually blessed for the spirit of glory and the spirit of God rests upon you? So the next time that you share the gospel with somebody, and they defiantly reject the gospel and reject you, experience God's presence. Say, Lord, I'm so thankful that I was insulted because of the name of Christ. A blessing is there for me. Now, I don't want you to become like uh, sadistic about this thing. <laughs> We're not going to walk around with a kick me sign on the back of us so that we can experience God's presence. But when we are insulted because of the name of Christ, we receive blessing. Here's the second opportunity. We get to tap into God's plan. Peter says, if you suffer, 
It shouldn't be as a murderer, as a thief, or as any kind of criminal, or even as a meddler, right? If you suffer, you're actually tapping into God's plan. Whenever God shares the gospel or uses the gospel to penetrate the life of somebody, not everybody's going to be happy about that. Not everybody is happy because most people are depending upon their own strength, their own goodness to get them to heaven. Most people don't think they're that bad of a sinner. Oh, we need to remind our world that sin will take you further than you want to go, will cost you more than you ever want to pay, and make you stay longer than you ever want to stay. The wages of sin is death. That's separation from God. I was doing some study not too long ago about what happens to a person when they go through drowning. In one hand, it's a terrible way to die, but on the other hand, they say it's not as bad as you would think it would be. And they say when a person drowns, they become almost delirious as to their surroundings. They almost become immune to what's happening to them, and they have like a strange sense of peace. And then their lungs fill up with water, and their, their oxygen runs low. And, and as a result of the oxygen running low, they just give up the fight, and then they pass away. When I think about our world today, I think that's where our world is. Uh, they are not fighting sin. They're not fighting for survival. They're just going along. The world has become immune to the sinfulness of its condition because it's just going along. And it's a false peace that they have. It's a peace that the enemy gives them. But our God gives us a much greater peace. It's that peace that transcends all understanding. I want you to know that if you're suffering today and you're suffering for the name of Christ, you are suffering for a righteous reason. God is going to step in there and he's going to meet all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. There's a third opportunity that we have when we suffer for Jesus. We get to identify with the pain that Christ endured for us. Peter put it this way in verse 16. He says, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Oh, don't you love that? And Jesus says, now is your time of grief, but I'll see you again and you'll rejoice and, and no one will take away your joy. We can have joy in the midst of our pain because Christ is enduring for us and we will endure for him. We can get that runner's high as we are enduring times of suffering in our lives. There's a fourth opportunity. As we suffer for righteousness' sake, we actually grow toward perfection. As that pressure is put upon us, it conforms us more to be like Christ. Followers of Christ are sometimes disciplined to become more like Christ. Peter says it's time for judgment to begin in God's household. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that is why many among you are sick and many are weak because you have not judged yourself. You're falling under the judgment of the Lord. I want you to know that God so wants you to be holy. He will do what he needs to do to conform you to his holiness. And there's something else that we must seize on as an opportunity as we go through times of suffering. And that is we experience God's passion toward those who don't know Christ. Look how Peter puts it in verses 17 and 18 when he says, And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Here Peter's making a point. He's saying that we may suffer as followers of Christ. It shouldn't surprise us, but we must remember the suffering that we now experience is not as bad as the suffering of those who reject Jesus Christ. One day they will experience a suffering far greater 
than any type of suffering we may experience on this earth. Now, this crushes my heart because I don't want anybody to suffer for eternity. I don't want anybody to be in constant pain without the ability to have some relief that is provided through Christ. You know, other great men have felt this same anguish. Here's just two examples. Paul said in Romans chapter 9, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for you. And he says, I wish that I myself could be accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Paul is saying, when you reject the gospel, I have this unceasing anguish and sorrow in my heart. I wish that I could be accursed and cut off for Christ for your sake. Paul is so concerned about those who reject the gospel. He says, I wish I could be cut off from the gospel so that you would receive the gospel. There's an Old Testament character who also had this same passion. His name was Moses. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses, crying out to the Lord, says, Lord, would you please forgive the sins of your people? And he says, if not, if you're not going to forgive their sin, then blot me out from your book, which you have written. The Lord said to Moses, whoever sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. I want you to know that when we have times of great suffering in our lives, it's an opportunity for us to experience God's passion toward those who don't know Christ. And then last, here is the sixth opportunity that we learn from Peter as we go through times of suffering. And this is probably the uh, the one that is really most uh, encouraging in some ways, because suffering times helps us to build our persistence. Peter says in verse number 19, So then, uh, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. So when we are going through this pressure, we ought to make a renewed commitment. We should be committed to our faithful Creator, and we should keep doing what we know we must do. You know, just two days before Christopher Columbus sighted land, his men were on the verge of mutiny. They had sailed the longest voyage ever out of the sight of land, and they were so discouraged, they wanted to turn back. The entry in Christopher Columbus's journal on October 10th, 1492, states this. Here the people could stand it no longer and complained of the long voyage. But the admiral cheered them as best he could, holding out good hope of the advantages they would have. He added that it was useless to complain. He had them come to the Indies, so he had to continue until he found them, with the help of our Lord. Two days later, Christopher Columbus discovered America. James reminds us that we should count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness has its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Billy Graham said, Heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one ever bothered to ask. Oh, what's weighing heavy on your heart today? The Lord has an answer for you. Will you cast your care upon Him? Because He certainly does care for you. In Romans chapter 5, we are told that we should glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience, and patience gives us experience, 
and experience gives us hope. And hope never makes us ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which He has given us. Oh, my friends, let us not become weary in our well-doing. At the right time, we're going to reap a harvest if we don't give up. Inventor Thomas Edison said, Our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is to always to try just one more time. Don't give up. You know, if I was on a video, I would show you a large can of the lubricant WD-40. And as we look at the can of WD-40, it's kind of an exegesis of the actions of what we can encourage ourselves to never give up. This WD-40 can, and everybody has them around their house, and, and does anybody know what WD actually stands for? It stands for water displacement. Does anybody know what the 40 refers to? Well, that refers to how many times or how many tries they came up with to try to come up with an effective formula. They failed 39 times, but it succeeded on the 40th try. Here's the message. Don't give up. Don't quit when you're tired. Don't quit when you fail. Don't quit when you meet obstacles. Keep on keeping on. Too many of us give up on Monday when God wanted to bless us on Tuesday. Hang in there, my friends. God has got a wonderful opportunity for you to experience His presence right in the middle of the difficult times you're going through. You know, one of my jobs as a pastor is is not just to tell people how to navigate, but help you to prepare for eternity. I want to encourage you to join me tomorrow on the broadcast. And and if your pastor uh, would be willing to listen to me tomorrow— Uh, On the broadcast tomorrow, I'm going to be talking about the role of the pastor. What's a pastor to do? And uh, how is a a pastor to to work in these crazy days that we're living in? And so if you're a pastor, I'd love to have you tune in with me tomorrow. Uh, Maybe you're one of the leaders within your church. I want to encourage you to listen to tomorrow's broadcast as we look at the Word of God and and talk about this subject of what is a pastor to do. And uh, we're going to be looking at it through the lens of 1 Peter And I think it'll be a blessing to you, and I think it'll be an encouragement to you to join in tomorrow for the broadcast. And in the closing moments of today's broadcast, I want to share some things with you that I think will really be an encouragement to you. Every week, I send out an email, and I send out an email to our congregation, and uh, this email is just an email that, that I send just to encourage our congregation, and we're going through a series called Believe, and uh, in this particular series... Uh, it is challenging us in this whole year, the year of 2022, uh, to believe God for big things. And we're not believing in ourselves, but we're putting our belief in God. Now, I love it when a plan comes together. I think most people do. However, it seems in life that most plans fall apart and they've got to be revised, right? It's called Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong, and often at the most inopportune time. Well, I've compiled a couple of my favorite verses that I shared with our congregation. If you would like to receive my weekly email that I send to the congregation, I'll be happy to send it to you, okay? Uh, If you send me a text message with your email, 252-267-2365, I'll send you an email every week, and usually it will arrive in your inbox on Mondays. Uh, Generally, I do it Mondays, latest will be Tuesday, and every week you'll receive an email from me. Uh, that just uh, are an encouragement devotion, okay? So you think about a plan that doesn't come together. Some of my favorite verses, along with a prayer, 
have been very helpful in me when things don't seem to come together. Here's the first thing I do. Lord, calm my spirit. As you have commanded me to do in John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. So I tell myself often, don't worry about the things that are out of my control. They're always in God's control. He guides me when I'm in need of direction, and he comforts me when I need to trust in him. So that's the first prayer that I pray when things fall apart. Here's the second part of the prayer. Lord, I'm exhausted. I'm stressed out. Maybe you're sitting in traffic, and, uh, and you're stuck at the Monitor Merrimack Bridge Tunnel, or you're stuck at the Hampton Roads Bridge Tunnel again for the second or the third time this week. Matthew eleven twenty eight. You are invited to come unto me, says Jesus, when you're weary, when you're burdened, and he'll give you rest. You see, the antidote to your stress right now is found in yoking up with him. That's where you find rest. Why do you find rest when you yoke up with Christ? Because your burden is carried by him, and you just enjoy learning about him. You see, a major part of our relationship with the Lord involves turning my fears my burdens, my pain, my worries over to him. There have been so many times where I've not known what to do. So I hit my knees and I give it over to the Lord. And then I release it and he instructs me. Now, sometimes the problem still exists, but he gives me grace to endure it. Here's a third way that you can pray. When Murphy's Law is taking over your life, Lord, I've got a lot of ideas running through my head and I'm not sure which ones are from you and which ones are not. So I pray, Proverbs 16, 9, in my heart are many plans, but the Lord determines my steps. Oh, I'm so glad to report today that the Lord's plan also includes his timing. I remember in the early days of our church, after being in the Roarton Club, setting up and tearing down every single Sunday and every single Wednesday evening for seven long years. Oh, I so longed to get out of that building and to get into our own church building. In fact, I was so anxious that it almost led our church to buy a small piece of property because I was ready to move ahead. I'm so thankful we didn't get that small piece of property. We could not do what we're doing now. After seven years of waiting, we moved into our current church facility with 35 acres of land. Thank you, Lord, for ordering our steps in your way and in your timing. Maybe you're listening to me today and you say, man, I, don't, I, I so want to get married. And, and you know the person that you're dating is really not the right person for you. Listen, God wants you to get married, but he's saying, not now. This is not the right timing. Uh, this is not the right person. You can trust God's timing and you can trust his will. Now, maybe as you're listening to me today, you are tempted to give in to the ways of the world. Tempted to compromise the truth of God's word. And you're thinking that if I give in to this compromise, I will be relieved from this stress and this pressure. Psalm 16.8 is a prayer that I want to encourage you to pray. David cries out and he says, I thank you, Lord, that you are setting before me and you are holding me up with your right hand, that hand of strength, so that I won't be compromised. You know, whenever I'm tempted to compromise truth, the truth of God's word, I ask myself this question. Who's number one in my life? You see, when I put the Lord as number one in my life, I'm not afraid of what others can do. I'm not afraid of what's going to happen to me. Now, this doesn't mean that I get everything that I want, but it does mean I'm never outside of his care. 
Be like Jesus. When temptation comes, quote the word of God right back to that tempter, and you will discover a renewed strength. Well, you know, there's something else that I've learned to do when Murphy's Law seems to set in. I cry out to the Lord and says, Lord, I'm worried. I'm not going to be sustained during this time of economic uncertainty. Lord, I don't know what to do. Gas is over $5 a gallon. My grocery bill has doubled. I don't know what to do with all this uncertainty in my life. But Lord, I remind myself that none of us has taken you by surprise. Where Jesus reminds us not to worry about life, what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink, or about our bodies, about what we're going to wear, because life is much more important than food and the body is much more important than what you wear. You see, if the Lord can take care of the birds of the air who do not sow away uh, in their barns, how much more will he take care of me? Oh, trust the Lord to take care of you in these most difficult times. And then maybe you're listening today and, and you're getting ready to quit. Joshua 9 is for you. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged because the Lord your God will be with you everywhere you go. Well, thank you so much for listening today. If you want me to send you that weekly email devotional, give me a text message, 252-267-2365. God bless you for listening. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.